Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Isn't it an honor to be worshiping the God of the universe, the unchanging God, the ever-present God? He is here. He is surely here. Amen. And not just his omnipresence, but his manifest presence is in this room, ready to be experienced this morning. As we open his word and in our worship, we can experience him here today. Amen. God wants to speak to you today. 2 Kings 7, 1 through 4 is pastor's text this morning that I'll read. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said to one another, Why set we here until we die? Verse 4, If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Jesus, I pray today that your, ever pre that your manifest presence be in this room. I pray that the oil of heaven drip from our pastor's lips. And I pray, God, you would help us to receive the word of the Lord this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Pray for me a little bit. My, my voice is very, very weak this morning for some reason, and I've been having a struggle talking. That may be a blessing to some and not a blessing to me, though. Amen. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord here just for in a few minutes. But how many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah, yes. Give him praise. He's worthy of it. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Kind of an unusual text, and I have taken this and preached a series on it before, but we're going to go just a little bit different than what I preached out of it, and we're going to be talking about these four lepers just for a moment. It is here that we see four lepers who lived outside of the walls of Samaria. They had lived on the outside of the walls because they were considered contaminated and contagious due to their leprosy. Therefore, they were not able to enter into the inside to where the people were at. People in the city would throw scraps over the wall, you've heard that before, to feed them and they would eat the scraps while sitting in the dirt. As a matter of fact, there's even a little window in that wall that they would open up and throw these scraps in and these people would eat the residue of the other people's uh, uh, table that they had just kind of leftovers, just kind of th thrown out. I think that this could be symbolic and represented the people that sit behind walls and barriers, spiritually speaking, and they exist by eating the scraps that's thrown at them from those that prosper around them. I hear people 
people all the time say this, and, you know, they feel like that it's a good statement. I just get blessed to see other people blessed. Well, I'm thankful that you're gratis, you have gratitude to those that are, and you're not jealous, and that you're thankful that other people are blessed. When I see people blessed, I get blessed also. That is a true statement, and that is one that we should always say. But on the flip side of the coin, I want you to know you cannot live off someone else's blessing. I want you to understand living, trying to live off someone else's blessing will not suffice. You know, I believe in divine healing because I hear in, I hear about divine healing. I believe in divine healing because I've seen some of you healed. But I want to tell you what validates that experience more than anything is when I'm healed myself. There's something about you receiving that yourself that validates those experiences in your life. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there's many of you that I've seen be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I got confidence in. I hear and I read about the Holy Spirit in books. But I want to tell you, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I myself have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, I believe in miracles. And it's not not only because I've seen you receive miracles and I've read about miracles, but I have received a miracle for myself. And there's nothing about you experiencing God on a level of, 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 of um, the miraculous for yourself. It's good to see it in others. It's good to hear about it and read about it, but it's another thing to taste and see that it's good for yourself. You know, there are people that are watchers, but they're not partakers. They're spectators, but they're not participators. There are two types of people that dwell in the midst of every single congregation and every single church around this world. We call them the insiders and the outsiders. Jesus dealt with this same kind of an issue. Jesus had what you call his inner circle. He had the 12 that sat and basked at his feet. He, them 12 turned into 70, and that 70 turned into 120, and that 120 turned into 2,000. And before long, you would have the Marys that would sit at his feet and learn of him. You would have the Johns that would lay his, their heads over in his bosom. And on and on and on, you would have those that would call him friend. But on the flip side of the coin, you also had those that were standoffish, that stood afar off. You had the Marys, the Marthas instead of the Marys, who would stay in the kitchen and they would gripe about what some people done or what they weren't doing. And they stood afar off, though they recognized him and though they were in the house with him, yet they stood afar off from him. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is in the house this morning. And I want to ask you a question, just how close to him do you want to get today? Are you going to be a Mary? Or are you going to be a Martha? Are you going to sit around and, and look and wait for somebody else to be blessed? Are you going to say, hey, get out of my way, baby. I'm getting blessed for myself. It's time that we quit sitting behind our barriers, our walls, our mindsets, our theologies, our ideologies. And it's time to say that the Lord wants to bless me. The Lord wants to give to me. The Lord wants to heal me. The Lord wants to fill me with the Holy Ghost today. I'm here to preach some to you, some of you that are standing in the background, standing in the shadows. It's time to come out of the shadows into the light. And it's time to say, I want it for myself. I'm tired of seeing everybody else have it. I want it for myself. Can I have an amen? Oh, somebody ought to get happy here today. 
You know, the insiders are those who take advantage of the open access to the throne of God that they have through the blood of Jesus Christ. While the outsiders are those that sit outside of the realm of the spirit, eating the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Now, the insiders enjoy the table spread. They enjoy the banquet. They enjoy, and they taste and see that the Lord is good. Like the psalmist said, they grow, they mature, and they're nurtured by the spirit of the living God. How many knows, in order to get... To nurture, you have to eat well. You have to eat properly. My mama always used to say, watch Papa now. He eats his spinach. And she'd always try to cram that spinach down my throat because it would help you to grow. It would help you. It was good for you. And I'm here to tell some of you here today that God wants you to taste and see that he's good because you can't grow out of the context of experiencing God for yourself. It's good to know that he's real. It's good to know he's in the house, but it's better to know him personally, to know him individually, to know him in an intimate relationship. Come on, somebody. I don't want to just see a glimpse of Jesus here this morning. I don't want to just see him pass by. I don't want him seeing fellowshipping with you only, and I hope that he does, but I'm here to grab a hold of him for myself. I want him to give me the sweet embrace of his kiss and the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? Can somebody just lift your hand up and say, Lord, I need you today. I want you today. Let me taste to see that you're good here today. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, they, they learn how to live. These people that are in the insiders, they learn how to live in the realm of the spirit and their lives become fruitful and prosperous where they walk in the spirit where they won't fulfill the lust of their flesh. But then there are those that live on the outside behind the walls, the barriers, the strongholds, and the false beliefs that's being embedded in their minds about who they are, and it keeps them from touching Jesus. These are the people People that eat crumbs when they could have been the ones that enjoyed the total banquet board. It's so easy to allow your limitations, and we all have them. Look at somebody and say, you are limited. We all have limitations that keep us from excelling, and, they, and, and if we're not careful, we'll allow those limitations to bind us to the status quo by walling us out of the mainstream move of the Holy Spirit. It's easy to allow strongholds, walls, barriers to keep you from entering into your destiny. It's the lies that the enemy has put into your brain about who you are and what you are. It's about the lies, that how, the, how the enemy will tell you what people think of you. It, it amazes me that to see people ride on the internet. Sometimes they tell me about what people think of them. And a lot of times I know the people that they're talking about, the people no more think about that about them than a man on the moon, but they think that about themselves. It's so bad that people's got these mentalities where they walk in condemnation, they walk in guilt, they walk behind barriers and walls making excuses for their lack of being able to have the things of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you the walls are going to come down today. The chains are going to be broken, the strongholds are going to disappear, and God's about to free somebody with the taste of heaven. Can I have an amen? God's about to rain manna down in this place. <clears throat> this reminds me of the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, and she asked Jesus to come and heal her daughter who was tormented by demons. 
The Canaanite woman was pagan, which is symbolic of the four lepers because leprosy represents sin or represents the sinner within Scripture. Her request, she, in her request, she referred to Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. She even called him the son of David. She acknowledged who he was. And upon her request, we see that Jesus answered her, not a word. He try, has this ever happened to you before? Have you ever prayed and it seemed like that the heavens were brass? Have you ever prayed and it seemed like your prayers just got up above there and then boom, they were thrown back down in your face? Have you ever prayed repeatedly only to feel like that you've been rejected and the heaven's phone lines are on busy signal and God, you're not getting through? Well, that's how this little lady had felt. And sometimes there's a struggle in order to become an insider. Did you hear what I say? There's a struggle to get on the inside. It's a struggle to get into the inner group. There are people all the time that'll say, I just can't find my place. It just seems like I don't belong. Seems like I don't fit in. Seems like I just can't find what I need to be doing. And all along, there are people that are constantly unfulfilled because of the fact that they can't seem to get in to that place called the inner crowd. And there are others that think, well, I don't belong there. There are others that are told by the spirit of the enemy that you'll never belong, that you're not good enough, that you'll never match up, you'll never be a part, that you'll never be able to get into that inner circle where everybody else, it's not desired for you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I want every single one of you to know in this building, all of you are called into the inner circle with Jesus Christ. There is nobody in this building that God don't want to bring along with him. There's not one of you that God doesn't want to reach out, grab a hold of your life. It don't matter what raising you had or how poor you are or where you come from, what kind of background. Well, you don't understand. I don't care about that you was a drug addict. I don't care that you lived a lascivious life. I don't care how bad and how dark your, old, your past may have been. I'm here to tell you that God loves you and that God wants to bring you into the inner circle to where he can set you free and he wants you to be a part of the divine inheritance of the promise that God's got for you. If you believe that, give the Lord praise. Amen. You know, sometimes we have to have passion to push, push past the, the problems so that we can receive the promise. You gotta have enough passion to push, push past your pro problems. Your desire to obtain has to be greater than your resistance that's against you. I want to tell you there's resistance to coming into that inner circle. It's hard to get into the inner circle sometimes. It seems that Jesus was ignoring or rejecting her, but we all know this ain't the case. You know why? Because the Bible tells us in John 6, 37, whosoever cometh unto him, he will in no wise cast out. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 and 7 to cast all of our care upon him because he cares for us. The matter of fact, we have the divine invitations all through scripture where Jesus said, in, or where the prophet said in Isaiah, he said, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Jesus gave us a divine invitation in the book of Matthew. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest 
resting your souls. There's all kinds of there's all kinds of invitations that we can come in to the inner circle with Jesus Christ. But not only does it seem that Jesus shunned her and ignored her, but his own disciples had urged Jesus to send her away for the ruckus that she was making among them. Sometimes crumb eaters they cause ruckus. Sometimes when the inner flow of the Holy Spirit begins to happen, I want you to know those that are spectators can hinder the the participators if it's not careful. Sometimes uh, the spirits of unbelief can hinder the move of God for everybody. Can I have an amen? And whether we want to be a hindrance or not, sometimes sitting in the background, sitting in the shadows, and not participating does not unify the body to the place to where God can do his total work. And here are the disciples, they detect this. This woman is hindering the flow of what we're under. This woman is hindering what we're doing here right now. And they begin to say, send her away. So we see that not only did Jesus not respond to her plea, but now his own followers were trying to shut her out and wall her out of the inner circle. Then Jesus finally speaks to her, which becomes another obstacle, which becomes another problem to her. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he was stating that he was sent on a mission to the Jews and not the Gentiles in which she was. Instead of giving up after hearing Jesus say that, the Bible says that she knelt before him and then she worshiped and then she cried saying, Lord, help me. Now, how many of you are that persistent? How many of you, after hearing all of this stuff, where Jesus seemed to ignore you, where the disciples are trying to send you away, and then he tells you, I've not come to minister to you, I've come to minister to the Jew. All of a sudden, she, what? She knelt. She worshiped. She cried. And she began to call out upon the name of the Lord. That's persistence. Can I have an amen? How many are you wanting God to, sometimes God tests you and just to see how much you want it. Can I have, how much, how many of you really, 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 really want him today? How many really want to see a move of the Holy Ghost that'll shake this whole area? How many want to see a church unified? We're a church of a thousand like we have become unified and we all become a part of the inner circle where there's no lack of the flow of the Holy Ghost and the power of the glory of God begins to move. How many want it? If you want it, stand to your feet and give God a praise of ovation. Tell him you want it. Tell him you want it right now. Verbalize it. Let your neighbor hear you say, I want it, God. I want it. Amen. To the woman's persistence, Jesus replies. And you'd think it'd be a positive thing, wouldn't you? But he says, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The word dogs here refers to the unregenerated, the unsaved, the Gentiles. And in scripture, mainly the time, it's talking to a, about a pagan woman. And what Jesus was saying here is, the things you are asking for is only for the regenerated or the saved. It's not for the sinner. There are special privileges and benefits that the believer has that does not belong or apply to the sinner. I, I want to tell you, that's true, isn't it not? How many of you realize that there are benefits in being saved? There is a portion that only belongs to the believer from God. Matter of fact, the psalmist said in Psalms 103, verse 1 and 2, he says, Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. And forget not his fringe benefits. There are fringe benefits in being saved. There's things that God will do for you as a believer that he would not do for you as an unbeliever. Come on, somebody. The first step to receiving the inner circle is you got to become saved. That gives you the access to be able to have everything that God has provided for you through the cross. And I'm here to tell you, if you're saved here today, you're a candidate to be a recipient of everything that God's got in store for you. Don't hold back. Don't be limited. Don't sit on the sidelines. But get ready to have a full cup, running over, pressed down, shaken together. Can I have an amen? He wants you to be sitting in green pastures. He wants to lead you by the still waters. He wants to restore yourself. He's your great shepherd. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, how many of you realize that there is benefits? Jesus was saying, it's not right for me to give you a portion of the house of faith's inheritance. But again, we see her not giving up, and she says, oh, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Now, this was like the four lepers sitting outside of the walls eating the crumbs, the leftovers, the scraps that fell from the table of the insider. You know what this woman was saying? I'll get into it a little bit deeper in a minute. She was saying, I've ate some of your crumbs. Come on, somebody. Isn't it odd how that it's a lot easier to allow circumstances to overtake us and control us than it is to push past the barriers and become an insider. It's a lot easier to settle for crumbs instead of pursuing and pressing into the productivity of what God and the promise that God's got for us. It's easy to sit down and say, I, I'm, I'm satisfied with just crumbs when you could have had a T-bone steak. Now you hear me talk about it, I'm hitting to what I like. Can I have an amen? I don't want a part of the cow, I want the whole cow. Can I have an amen? There is many a people that sit on the sidelines and they watch while everyone else runs in the race of life and fights the good fight of faith. There are many that sit back and watch people eat at the banquet board while they eat from the crumbs that fall from that table. I tell you, it's a lot easier to let someone else do your fighting to keep things alive than it is to fight for yourself. It's a lot easier to ask someone to pray for you instead of you praying for yourself. Come on, somebody. It's a lot easier to sit back and see the results of the righteous than it is to be righteous yourself and be a part of the one that makes those results happen. Can I have an amen? It's a lot easier to be on spiritual welfare than it is to actually work and fight the good fight of faith. Come on, it's work. It's, it, it, there is an effort that has to be demanded in order to become a part of the inner circle. And now the outsiders are inspired by the activity that goes on in the house. They're, they're intrigued by what goes on and they're curious of the things that happen and they're desirous to look into it. They love the results of what happens in the life of the believer. But it seems that they're never able to push past the curiosity stage and enter into that contest. There are some of you that come here every Sunday, you like Pentecost, but you're not Pentecostal. Come on, somebody, help me preach. You like the move of the Spirit and you like to see it, but you yourself have never experienced it. This is where people are at. There, 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 there are so many people that's not able to enter into the realm of the Spirit. However, it's these people that have a belief in God 
They know he exists, but their knowledge of him is of the lowest form of understanding that there is. This is caused by them eating only crumbs from his table. These are those that have heard, they've seen, they've been touched by the Spirit, they have eaten crumbs, they cannot deny that God isn't real. Even the Canaanite woman understood by the crumbs she ate, Jesus was the son of David. She understood that. This woman was considered cursed because the prophets had denounced the Gentile city that she was from. She was of a Canaanite. Uh, 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 she was from Canaan. She was a Canaanite woman, and she was a Gentile. Here she was, what seemed to appear as being ignored and shunned by Jesus himself. She was rejected by his followers, invited to leave his presence. She was told by Jesus that he wasn't there to minister to her, but only to the house of Israel. She has prayed, she has worshiped, she's knelt, she's beseeched, she's cried out, and yet it appears that she's still rejected. I would have given up by now. I want to tell you, I probably would have. I would have probably thrown in the towel, but through her persistence, she finally touches him by faith. Folks, to become an insider is a fight. Can I have an amen? It's a push. It's a press. It's a struggle. It's a hunger. It's a thirst. It's a want. It's a desire that's unquenchable. I gotta have him lest I die. It's like the little woman with the issue of blood. How that there she was. She had a disease for 12 years and, and she suffered many things by the hands of many physicians but rather grew worse. She had spent all that she had had in doctor bills. She'd come to the end of her rope and she had heard a ruckus out and she looked out and asked what's going on. Said Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. She had heard about the miraculous healings that he had done and she said, oh, if I can but just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And the Bible says that she began to sit out and press. That word press means that there was, a, there was a labor, an intense labor in order to be able to touch him. And she goes out in the crowd in the streets and there's the multitude. There's always a multitude between you and Jesus. That's natural. Everybody says, well, I've always struggled. We all struggle. There's always hindrances, ideologies, past doctrines that we got to overcome, past teachings, inferiorities, intimidation, condemnation, guilt. We go on and on and on, whatever it is. And here's all these multitudes, and you can name them, and you can brand them, and you can put a tag on them. But she said, you know what? I got to press through all this stuff. I've got to get past all that stuff. I got to see him for who he is and what he desires to do. And she begins to press. Finally, she gets on her hands and knees. She's so hungry. And she starts crawling. People are stepping on her. And people are pushing her. And people are thonging her. I want to tell you, where's the hunger in the house of God? Where's it at? What's going on in the house of God that we can't have that hunger anymore? I literally, in the older days, used to see people start down the altar and before they ever got there, they fell on the floor and they cried and they crawled their way down to the altar and they just and they drooped over it like a, a limp rag and they said, I'm broken, God. I gotta have you, God. I want you. Where's that kind of hunger for the presence of God? Hallelujah. This woman had such a hunger, an intense hunger, and she pressed. Finally, she got in distance of him and she reached out and just touched the hem of his garment. We can't go into what all that represents. And she was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? 
and everybody around. What do you mean who touched you? Man, there's all kinds of people here thronging and touching you and, and bumping up against you. What do you mean who touched you? You say, oh, no, no, you don't understand. There's somebody that really touched me. It was a woman of faith. I want to tell you, so much of the time, we just come in here, and I think we're just throngers. We're just the ones that's kind of touching him, but there's nothing really happening. We got to get like the woman of the issue. We got to get desperate for the presence of God. I tell you, if we want the revival that we believe that God wants to give to this area, we got to get hungry. We got to get thirsty. We got to get desirous. We got to want. We got to get broken before the presence of God and say, God, we want everything that you got for us. Can I have an amen? Through her persistence, she finally touches him by faith, this Canaanite woman. To become into that inner circle, it's a fight. It's a struggle. She finally says, yes, Lord. Even after all that rejection, even the dogs eat from the crumbs from the master table. He says, woman, your faith is great. Then the Bible says, he healed her daughter. This was the day that the outsider become the insider. <laughs> this is the day that the misfit began to find the place to belong. This is the day that the outcast became a part of the inner circle of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, no matter how you feel, no matter how much rejection and condemnation and guilt and circumstances, and no matter how many kinds of bondages stare you in the face and the lies and the beliefs, everything that the enemy's feeding you, I want you to know there is a way for you if you'll fight and if you'll struggle and if you'll pursue, if you'll draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. He'll make a way for you to become a part of the inner circle and you'll find your place to belong at the palace of praise. Can I have an amen? Give the Lord praise for that. This is the day that she become a doer of the word instead of a hearer only. This is the day that she pushed beyond the wall and entered into the inner circle. Instead of her sitting by, watching, observing, and looking, she desired to enter in and become a participant instead of a spectator. This was the day that she made a choice that would forever change her life. It was the day that she received the benefits and the portion of the spirit of the inner circle and her daughter was healed and she received an inheritance. This was the first time that she was able to sit and enjoy the feast of the spirit of the living God. Her eating of the crumbs that fell from the master table is what gave her knowledge of who he was. Now notice this. She acknowledged him as Messiah the son of David. This happened only because she had eaten of the crumbs. She had seen the manifestations on other people. She had witnessed what God had done for others. She'd seen others' experiences. She had seen the displays of the Lord, the manifestations of his Holy Spirit. She alluded to the fact, I've been around where I have seen some things come from you. I've eaten of your crumbs. In other words, others received big portions, but I sat in the sidelines and just from the tables of the righteous, there were crumbs that fell my way that has caused me to know who you are. Can I have an amen? This means she's seen but wasn't a full-pledged recipient of blessings. But it was on this day that she became a full-blown recipient of everything that God had in store for her. This outside dweller became an inside dweller. It was just like the lame man that was set at the gate called Beautiful begging and 
Acts chapter 3, the Bible says that he was a lame from his mother's womb. He was a cripple. And from birth, each and every one of us was born spiritually cripples and unable to walk, move, or even have any kind of identity of our own selves by the Spirit. Here he was sitting as an outsider to the temple every single day of his life. He was laid there daily. His eyes He was at eye distance of the temple, and he was a stone throw away, but he couldn't enter in. Isn't that a miserable place to be in? So close, but can't enter in. Right at the door, but can't walk through. How many times have we been at the threshold of something great, but it seems like we don't have the ability to press, to push past, to enter in? That's where we're at right now. Are you listening, Palace of Praise? I'm trying to preach to you here this morning. And here's this cripple every day of his life. He sat there questioning, wondering, seeking, observing, listening to what's going on in that temple. He sat outside of that temple. He could see it. He seen everybody going in and coming out. He seen those going in uh, uh, and coming out happy and rejoicing. He heard the music. He heard the songs. He heard the preaching. He heard it all. But he himself could never really participate and get in because there was a paralysis. There was a, he was paralyzed spiritually and physically to where he could not get there. And there are people in this building, though you're here, you're paralyzed. You see, you at a, a stone throws distance are really getting your hand, but there's a hindrance on your life. And here he is begging. That's how he made his living. And it wasn't until Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer that changed his life. We know the story. Upon seeing Peter and John, the lame man asked alms of him. In other words, he's already, he's already denied the faith that he could receive from God proportionally to the degree of being delivered. He's just going to remain begging, settled at the gate. There's people that are settling at the gate when they could enter in. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching. Are people that are sitting right there about to break over to really have victory in their life. But they're sitting at the gate and they're looking for someone else's experience for them to make it. This is how he made his living, begging, getting the crumbs from the compassion of the temper dwellers. This is where he's relying on other people to pray for him. He's relying upon other people to worship and bring the spirit down. You know, everybody likes a live church but that comes at the expense of somebody. Come on, somebody. How many love a lively service? How many love anointed worship? <laughs> you know, sometimes we think, man, come on, John, sing it down. Well, there's an obligation on our part to come in prepared, to come in ready, to come in wanting, to come in desiring, to come in ready to worship. Come on, it's not just up to him. But if we're not careful, we'll be the beggars. Preacher, preach it down. Singers, sing it down. But we never want to try to put any kind of effort for us to be a recipient and an outlet of the Holy Ghost ourselves to where we enter in, to where we can be a blessing instead of wanting the blessing from somebody else. But this day, things would change. Looking at Peter and John, expecting to receive alms of him, he found more than what he bargained for that day. Peter, and believe me, even though the spectators don't make a move to participate, 
yet they still expect something from you and I. Peter and John say, hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ. And now rise up and walk. Come on, somebody. I'm getting ahead of my notes just a little bit. And G Peter reached out and grabbed him by the right hand and lifted him up. And the man went leaping and walking and praising God, and he went into the temple. And the outsider became an insider that day. Things changed in his life. No more begging. No more sitting out. No more feeling lost. No more being disconnected. No more saying, I don't belong. No one cares for me. I don't know why I go there. Come on, somebody. God's got a blessing for you. But even though there are cripples, spectators, they expect things out of us. <laughs> I gotta be careful right here. The only hope that the outsiders has is the obedience of the insiders. They expect to see God move on our, on our behalf. That's what gives them the initiative to keep them setting by our wall. Amen? Even sinners, Outsiders, disobedient people are blessed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the righteous. It's what produces the curiosity to keep them looking into what we got. Come on, somebody. The, the crumbs that fall from the wall of our experience is what feeds and empowers the outsiders. It is the crumbs of the Spirit that keep them attracted to the place of their dwelling. Come on, somebody. There are people right here today that are here and they're outsiders trying to find their place. And you know what's attracted them? The move of the Holy Spirit that's taken place as a result of the righteous. Many people pile into churches every single Sunday who sit behind walls and barriers and strongholds and ideologies and, 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 and bars and they're, they're shackled. And even though they do not participate in the things of the Spirit or get involved, yet it is the crumbs that keeps them coming back. It's us being obedient. I want to do a little illustration here for right now. They begin to get, when the Holy Spirit falls on somebody, they begin to get a taste. It creates a hunger. It starts creating hunger. It starts creating curiosity. The Holy Ghost to fall on somebody, and this is what happens in the congregation. Come on now. All of a sudden, Donna Moore gets out and starts dancing across the aisle and people begin to look. All of a sudden, Terry Lawrence breaks out in praise and adoration and all of a sudden, come on somebody. Preacher gets to preaching and he gets a little happy and starts doing a jig. You know what happens? And all of a sudden, you got people that's sitting in the congregation doing this. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. All of a sudden, somebody will come up and somebody will lay hands on them and they'll fall out in the spirit, and all of a sudden, Come on, somebody. And there will become a time that the more the scraps fall, the more they eat and taste, 
The more they get acquisite, the more they get curious, the more they eat, and before long, the beggars are fighting over the straps. That which they didn't know about, that which they didn't understand, that which they sometimes were balked and hesitated at, and now they're saying, hey, give me my portion. Hey, it creates a holy hunger in the house of God. Somebody's beginning to need to worship the Lord right here. He's wanting to pour something out on the righteous. And when he does, the fragments of your blessing is going to be poured out on somebody else. Notice that it wasn't until after the city had famine and the scraps dried up that the lepers left the wall. Some Christians wonder, why are we having anybody visit us? That church down there has 30 visitors a week and we can't get 30 in a year. What's going on? You know why? The scraps has dried up. There's nothing intriguing them. There's nothing enticing them. Come on, somebody. We cannot afford at the palace of praise to allow ourselves to dry up, to become stale, to become boring, to become unattractive. We cannot allow our services to become stagnant and die because they're the only thing that's keeping the outsiders alive. But just the crumbs and the leftover residue is feeding more than what we ever know. They're expecting it from us. This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying. If you'll throw enough of these, I hope that don't hurt nobody. That's hard candy. Donna. Gary, you big hogs, he's fighting for crumbs. But you keep just throwing them out and people begin to want more. Begin to want more. Their hunger intensifies. Their search begins to intensify. Their desire, their hunger begins to begin to get overwhelming. And before long, they begin to make a movement towards Christ. And then when they do, the crumbs draw, dry up. You know why? Because he comes along and he says, he's, he begins to say, Matt, you know what? You've lived off crumbs long enough. You've lived for crumbs, but today there's something going to happen to you. You're not living off crumbs no more, son. Here it is. Take the full portion of the Holy Ghost for yourself. And he gives the banquet boy to him. Can I have an amen? He gives the whole pile to him. Ah, oh, we can't sit around and dry up and become mediocre. I want to tell you this thing that we think's driving people away, this thing that we think that everybody views us as crazy is the very thing that's bringing the people in. Yeah. 
people teaching against these kinds of things. And you know what's happened? They're drying up and become social clubs and nothing's happened in the house of God. And before long, the thing that they built upon seeking sand and little by little, people begin to not be satisfied and they try to go find where scraps are falling. Can I have an amen? Oh, it's like the old song, the Brooklyn Tabernacle choir song. Send it on down. Send it on down. Let the Holy Ghost come on down. Send it on down. Send it down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. Remember again, the thing that we think is driving people away, the spirited services, is the very thing that's keeping them at our wall. If we dry up and we become non-Pentecostal and we allow the crowds to dictate our behavior, well, there's just too many here, I can't move. They're, they're relying upon you to move. They're begging for you to move. There was a beggar at Jericho and I'll close. There he was sitting begging like normal. All of a sudden he hears a great noise, a great multitude. And he said, what meaneth the multitude? And they said, well, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And all of a sudden when he heard that Jesus is passing by, evidently he had heard about him and he had some crumbs from him because he was enticed to say, oh, the son of David, have mercy upon me. And all of a sudden, those that were in the crowd come to him, shut up, hold your peace, don't bother the master. There's a multitude again, the multitude of intimidation, the multitude of condemnation, the multitude of guilt, the multitude of false images and false thoughts that he's placed in your mind. No one likes you around here. You'll never fit in. You'll never have a place to belong. Everybody's judging you. You know why people think everybody's judging them? Because they judge themselves. And the way that they feel, they feel like everybody else feels that way about them when it's not true. Amen? There's all kinds of churches getting blasted on the internet because I went there and I walked in and everybody looked at me. I already had a preconceived idea of what people were thinking by look. It's craziness. And it keeps them from becoming a part of the inner circle because they're wallowing around in their own baggage and they're limited because of strongholds and bondages. Come on. But they keep coming. There was a person years ago, they passed away now. Over on Ninth and Cedar, they would come and man, they would gripe about everything. The music's too loud. The music's too soft. The preacher's too long. You come on. The pews are too hard. It's too hot. And I thought to myself one time, why in the world is he coming? If we're that bad and everything about us is that bad, why do they come? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, because they're attracted to what you got. And, and those eat crumbs can cause problems. Don't run them out. Just keep throwing crumbs at them. Keep feeding them. 
You know why? Because one of these days, it's going to entice them to the point they'll come and get their own. And all of a sudden, this old blind man that, that was there, he, the multitude, shut up, shut up. It says, he cried out so much the more. Oh, man, he didn't let that stop him. He just, they said, shut up. He first said, oh, son of David, have mercy upon me. Shut up. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. I said, shut up. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. The louder they got, the louder he got. And Jesus said, bring that man to me. And they brought to him, what do you need, he said, that I might be made whole and that I might see. And Jesus prayed for him and he was set free and healed. And the Bible says that he rejoiced and he leaped and he took himself up and he followed Jesus and worshiped him. He became an insider that day. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah.